trap, um, I mean, happened upon my lair. <laughs> You've come to the ancient smoky mountains of Cottonmouth, but you've strayed from the trail, young stoner. <laughs> Come closer! Take a hit from this candy blunt! Take a drag with the old hag! <laughs> yes! Yes! That's it! <laughs> now you're prepared, young stoner. Gaze upon my bubbling cauldron! Here you will see two films. First you will see the Bride of Frankenstein. Ha! I knew that old bat back in witch school. She was my sorcerer sister. Careful, Frankie! <laughs> Next up, Vampire. Don't fall asleep because there's nothing more frightening than waking up to faces of gaunt. German silent picture actors. Take another hit, young stoner, and sit back. For something baked this way comes on old movies for young stoners. <laughs> This is Old Movies for Young Stoners, the podcast where we pair cult and classic films with the right strain of cannabis so you can trip balls through cinema history. Halloween is coming up, and all you jokers, smokers, and midnight tokers need some classic monster movies that you can blaze to. So we're going back to the 1930s, possibly the greatest decade for cinema horror, with Elsa Lanchester and Boris Karloff in the monster masterpiece Bride of Frankenstein from Universal in 1935. And then we go to Europe for 1932's Vampire, a movie that feels like somebody jammed a camera into your skull and filmed your worst nightmare. It's our 13th episode and our season one finale, unless we can get our shit together enough to record a holiday special in December. We're trying, folks. We're trying. But right now, the dead are rising from their graves on Old Movies for Young Stoners. And we are back on Old Movies for Young Stoners. I'm Bob Calhoun, a crusty Gen Xer and author of The Murders That Made Us, A History of San Francisco Through True Crime. I'll be doing a book signing on Saturday, October 29th at 4 p.m. at Alibi Bookshop in Vallejo, California. Hope to see you there. You can find out more about it at MurdersThatMadeUs.com. That's not MoviesThatMadeUs.com. It's MurdersThatMadeUs.com. Joining me is our panel of potheads. 
Representing millennials, he is our official bud tender, audio producer, and your guide on the Hollywood Punk Rock Graveyard Tour. Look it up on Instagram. He is Corey Sklar. Nothing spookier than a millennial. Whoa. <laughs> hey, hey, Corey, you've, you've got a very special Hollywood Punk Rock Graveyard Tour coming up on October 30th. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, uh, we're going on tour. It's going to be a walk through the graveyard with Elvez. And he was pretty mm. much good friends with everybody on the tour. <laughs> like very close. He came to L.A. in 1978 when he was 18 years old with his band, The Zeros. Like pretty much the first. They, they call them the Chicano Ramones, right? They were like the first mm. Mexican punk rock band pretty much. And um, yeah, so if you want to hear Elvez talk about all his dead friends, uh, look up the Punk Rock Graveyard Tour on Instagram. We're almost sold out, so I'm really excited for this. It's going to be really cool. Yeah, you're definitely going to want to be a part of this tour if you can by the time this episode drops. But yeah, I saw that, and I'm like, we've got to hype that on the show. So definitely Thank look you. up. I appreciate it. Thank you. Look them up mm. on Facebook. Our older our older listeners can look them up on Facebook, too. Look up Corey, Hollywood Punk Rock Graveyard Tour. It is there. So, okay. Our next uh, pothead here. He is an animator, director, and co-founder of Six Point Harness Studios. You can see his work in Tignataro Drawn, now streaming on HBO Max. Let's hear it for Craig Franklin. Hey, hey, everybody. Hey, how's it going? How's it going? Great to be here. I've seen this man wrestle all up and down the West Coast. Very popular. Inside joke between Great me and Greg there. Inside joke. Very. It, 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 it's, it's fun to be here, and I'm, I'm kind of excited. I might, I might like have to haunt the edges of that punk rock graveyard tour. I have um, to, like... Peek you're, out you're, from behind. You're in the family. A, we can take you whenever you peek want. Peek out from behind a, uh, a, a you know a headstone here and there for Halloween. You know, wow. scare people. <laughs> and repping Generation Z, she is an actor and voiceover <laughs> artist. You can see her in Chippendale Rescue Rangers, currently streaming on Disney Plus. Let's hear it for Felina Franklin. I'm a ghost. Hey, guys. Uh, you all, you know, Generation Z, let's hope it's not Generation, the last one. Yeah, I know. Generation mm -hmm. Ghost. Generation <laughs> G. <laughs> Ooh. Okay, you know, we've, awesome. we've got a lot to talk about with this being our season finale, and I want to talk about that more towards the end of the show. Look back on, you know, one whole season of mm -hmm. Old Movies for Young Stoners. We made it. Yay! But first, you know, it's our Halloween episode, so I want to talk about the great decades for horror movies. In the intro to the show, I said the 30s is maybe the greatest decade for horror movies. I mean, you've got Frankenstein, Dracula, The Mummy, Bride of Frankenstein, among so many others. But uh, Criterion Channel this month is highlighting the 80s as the best decade for horror, and there's definitely an argument to be made for that. But I'd also say the 70s and, and the 2010s are way up there, too. So anybody want to take a stab at this, pun intended? What, what do you think is the greatest <laughs> decade for horror? Yeah, okay, 30s, you're right. You got all the universals, right? But 70s, okay. 65, I think, is when things changed because of Night of Living Dead. Like, everything changed. It was DIY. You could just make a horror movie if you had a couple thousand dollars. 70s is when the Italians really 
came into you know Bava and Argento and stuff really kind of changed the game there. And Romero was doing mm-hmm. cool stuff in the seventies. Yeah. But I feel like the I feel like Criterion is right because the eighties is when all the kids that grew up with Night of the Living Dead were able to make their movies and really push it, go out there. You have your reanimators, you have your Hellraisers, you have well, I mean, yeah, Hell Hellraisers. You have your Wes Cravens yeah. doing that, uh, but like really, you have Sam Raimi who did the Evil Dead, and that is the greatest movie ever made, Evil Dead One and Two. So I think the eighties is it because of Sam Raimi. Eighties is strong. You know, you you mentioned the sixties, mm-hmm. and the sixties kind of doesn't get mentioned as a great horror decade. But you have Hitchcock going horror with Psycho and the Birds. Uh, you have Peeping Tom. You have the height mm. of Hammer Studios. Hammer Studios is at its very height. The British studio that made uh, Dracula and Frankenstein, like bloodier and sexier Dracula and Frankenstein movies in color. Uh, and Bob the George Hamilton, his- the George Hamilton uh, Dracula, right? Oh, that's the eighties. That's the seventies, man. That's <laughs> oh, 70s. 70s. That's the seventies, man. <laughs> I, I saw. I every kid had to see that movie in nineteen seventy-eight. Yeah. It's kind of like a love boat <laughs> horror film. But also, you got the best Baba. The best Baba's in the '60s: Black Sunday, oh, yeah. Black Sabbath, right, uh, Romero, and Romero and Polanski change everything in '68 with Rosemary's Baby and Night of the Living Dead. Um, Corman's making uh-huh. the Poe films with Vincent Price. '60s are loaded. '60s are really loaded. Felina, are you Listen, a yeah. are you a, are you a horrorsman? Like- a horrorsman? Are you a horrors person? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I guess. <laughs> I like horror. I, I feel like. I mean, personally, the early two thousands are killer. One of my favorite horror movies. It's not even horror, but one of my favorite horror like comedy movies. You're all gonna laugh at me. I know for a fact. It's the Haunted Mansion with, with Eddie, Eddie Murphy. Murphy. <laughs> it's so good. It is so good. I trust And I think that. it's a classic. Wow. Yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. I think I think it deserves a rewatch. But is it scary? It's mildly well for me when I was at like whatever, <laughs> like seven years old, I was freaked out. <laughs> but I. I, I mean, like, nostalgia-wise, just for me, I think it's so mm-hmm. fun. And also, the one that I really loved, but I rewatched it, and it is absolutely awful, is Halloween Town. I like Halloween Town oh. 1 and 2. <laughs> I, like, I liked Halloween Town when I first watched it. I used to, wa- I used to like, watch it over and over again. Hasn't aged well, you're saying, huh? It, I don't think it's aged well. No. I mean, like, because I, I was watching it, and I was like, this is bor- more boring than I remember. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I watched it well into my 30s, that movie, <laughs> <laughs> every year. But oh, you know wow. what? I'm thinking now, and the 70s really is where the important movies are, right? Exorcist, Omen, like, all those movies are pretty... Jaws. Ja- yeah, Jaws. Like those are those are pretty important movies just in the history of cinema in general. And like and then eighties shit gets cheesy and like gory, but it's But eighties like- shit is is still fun. And it's like that's where all the cla I feel like where the quote unquote classic like horror mo- like all you've got your Halloween, Friday the thirteenth. Yeah, and that's well, Halloween is yeah. seventy eight though. I mean uh, Oh yeah. it is? You know, uh 
much like like uh, heavy metal, everybody who says, oh, the best heavy metal is in the 80s, but they're all 70s bands that hit in the 80s. It yeah, kind of feels right. like like a lot of stuff from the 80s like was, was stuff, you know, Carpenter starts in the 70s. He's bigger in the 80s, sure, but, uh, you know, and, and Toby Hooper and all these guys are like 70s guys. So it's like it's like a cantilever, you know, it's like a seesaw. It's a gradient. The... It's a it's a gradient. Yeah. You know, like like you're kind of getting all those guys hitting their peaks in the 80s. Mm-hmm. I'll, uh, I'll say it. Yeah. I'll, I'll say a great argument for uh, the 80s being the best horror decade is frank henenlotter who is one of my favorite directors of all time you got your basket case yeah you got your frankenhooker you got your brain damage (laughs) those are the best movies ever made right they are so good they're really good i've got to stick up for the 30s though just because it really defines Mm -hmm. what horror was and you've got Mm -hmm. you've got frankenstein dracula the mummy and the wolfman wolfman's 40s doesn't start until oh, the forties. That's that's the one big monster that gets left out. But you've also got freaks, and uh, Corey mentioned that uh-huh. um, Island of Lost Souls is playing at the New Beverly this weekend or soon. Um, it's already played by the time you're, you're listening to this, people. But Island of Lost Souls is the one thirties movie besides maybe Vampire that kind of freaks me out. Like there's a scene in that movie that just. It's an island. It's the uh, island of Doctor Moreau. It's the best version of that HG yeah. Wells story. But there's just this one scene where um, Charles Lawton is operating on one of the manimals, and it's just the black and white, stark black and white <laughs> photography of it. Just it just bothers me. It bothers me now. Like it's genuinely scary. Yeah, and I think yeah, I think Freaks is genuinely freaky. Um, what what about Doctor X? Doctor X, know, it's that, synthetic flesh is gross. It's still gross. <laughs> Remember that, Felina? We watched that synthetic flesh. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, yeah. We watched that in the pandemic, it, it, and I love that that weird color the two strip technicolor yeah 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 that was really cool that that mystery of the wax museum from then by warner brothers and michael curtis like Mm -hmm. dr x and mystery of the wax museum were directed by the guy who directed casablanca so you know he's like a horror (laughs) director for a while and much like james Mm -hmm. whale who we're going to talk about soon like he couldn't wait to get out of it but why like that's the cool thing about the 80s guys right Corey? like frank hennenlauter was doing horror movies and wanted to do them where other directors from the previous decades like they're like why can't i be doing a musical that's where the action is why can't i be doing a serious drama yeah yeah like um hennenlauter ramey even Wes craven they like had a genuine love they grew up with this stuff they grew up with um yeah famous monsters of Filmland obsessing over every page and they were able to you know make those movies because they loved them very much so yeah good argument for the 80s right there i think they should have made a horror movie musical well they did the guy <laughs> the guy who directed in the 60s another argument for the 60s the guy who directed rat think a boo-boo from our superhero episode ray dennis steckler made the incredibly strange creatures who stopped living and became mixed up zombies the first monster movie musical Ooh. i wonder how many listeners watched rat think a boo-boo after we 
gave it such a raving review. <laughs> Felina championed Ratfink. She That's true. Felina loved it. Yeah. You loved that movie. I had so much fun watching that, and I am kind of disappointed that nobody else did. I, I liked it. Hey, I chose it's, it. It's I, an important it's, movie. It's fun. It's, it's fun. important. This is a, this is cinema history, guys. <laughs> I definitely I went. Like, I got pancakes at Dupar's after that episode. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I like that Felina. You know, liked it because these guys just went out and made a fucking movie. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. they just right. like they might not have had the most money or the most uh, technical no. skill, but they just went and fucking did it. And that's what's great about that movie, and what's great about Night of the Living Dead and a lot of the kind of running gun stuff from the '60s, '70s, and '80s that we're talking well, about. Now. It probably, it probably reminded Felina of like a TikTok, you know, like if they made, <laughs> you know, like if they made a. If you could make a TikTok in nineteen in the sixties, that's what it would look like. That's a very long TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Ratfink. Hi, Boo Boo. Uh, good. You you do such <laughs> yeah. a good Ratfink uh, impression, Greg. I will say a good mm, argument. Another, just one more in defense of the sixties is the filmography yeah. of Herschel Gordon Lewis, which I hope we delve oh, into oh, someday. Yeah. yeah, someday. Sixties, yeah. like nobody talk. Everybody talks about thirties, seventies, and eighties, and nobody talks about the sixties. But the sixties is like maybe the most loaded horror decade. Like it is, but I think we're sleeping on the fifties, you guys. Like you've in got the 50s? so What's many. Like the thing, the original thing is in the fifties. You've got all of those great, like cheesy, like radioactive ants movies, and you know. Um, hey, don't call uh, them cheesy, all... man! Don't call them cheesy. <laughs> it's classic cinema. Them. I love it. I know, and they had like the perfect pronouns back then. You know, for it. Uh, for for <laughs> yes, exactly them. And, uh, you know, they, 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 they were like a fun, you know, um, they were a little campier. They were a little more self-aware. They were kind of a little more for kids. You know, I think that that's, that's where a lot of these, the horror directors that you mentioned, Corey, are, are, are really kind of from that, um, William Castle sort of era, you know, like they grew up going to the, see the house on Haunted Hill and things like that. That that's that's a great era of horror, right? Like that kind of, yeah. it's a little more showmany. It's a little bit more like razzmatazz. It's a little bit more like down and dirty, um, semi exploitation. But you know, they were just kind of fun, and 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 they are a little bit cheesy. But that's what I like about them. And yeah. you've got that that atomic era you know paranoia you know like we didn't we didn't really touch on the on the 2010s you know that's a great era for horror like as as you mentioned bob with like you got your get outs your it follows your movies that are taking socio-political paranoia and fears and distilling them into like a current thing and i feel like there's a lot of 80s nostalgia in there too with a lot of synth wave you know kind of you know uh vapor wave kind of soundtracks yeah um but these movies are great you know you've got and, the and witch that decade and hereditary oh, love the witch yeah and babadook yeah. babadook's like the latest great movie monster up there with frankenstein and the bride mm-hmm. and freddy krueger and what have you i mean uh 
the the Babadook is mm-hmm. is this classic movie monster that people I think will recognize for a hundred years oh, the yeah. way they do Nosferatu and and the classic monsters we're going to talk about in a little bit here. You've also got the Bye Bye Man and oh, come get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucked up. <laughs> don't think it. We, don't speak it. We watched. We watched it. Yeah, please don't speak it. Felina, you just spoke it. (laughs) (laughs) As soon as you say that, you are screwed. You know what else? I feel like we, I mean, this is kind of off topic, but I feel like Mm -hmm. the internet has also taken a lot of, like, has made a lot of really classic, like, horror monsters, like Slenderman and, like, Jeff the Killer, all of those, like, creepypasta type. um, I don't know Jeff the Killer. You don't. You don't really want to. It's very. It's very like. <laughs> he hangs out at the Rainbow Room. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get into modern horror. I I'm just so stuck in my, eighties ways. So I'm. This uh-huh. is this is enlightening for me to hear you you all talk about it. Um, Slender Man does scare me very much though. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Happy Death Day too from Blumhouse is kind of underrated. Under- I love I love underrated. that movie. I love that movie. Yeah. Too. Oh, really I good. need to see that. I have both. Yeah, the, the sequel too. The sequel too is great. Yeah. Yeah. We have a TikTok channel. Whoa. Yes. What? A TikTok channel. Bob. Bob. No. <laughs> no. TikTok does what? not have channels. But but YouTube has channels. Yeah, Tick- that's that's YouTube. So 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 what does TikTok have? Is it like a page? Is it a feed? Is it a disturbance in the force? No, no, Bob. Just okay. Let me just do this. I okay. Right, please please, Helena, save us. Okay, you can now follow old movies for young stoners on TikTok at OM4Y. That's OM number four Y. And we have one video on there. But hopefully there'll be more once Bob gets over his Martin Scorsese aspect ratio bullshit and edits his videos that fit a freaking iPhone. Ah! God, that hurt. <laughs> you can also follow us on Twitter at OM4YStoners. There's a number four in there, so it's OM number four YStoners. And you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Old Movies for Young Stoners. No numbers, just words. And you can email us at OldMoviesForYoungStoners at Gmail. We really want to hear from you. But, but guys, the most important thing is to subscribe to the fucking podcast, okay? Really, all this other bullshit is just bullshit. We are a podcast. That is what we are. That is what we do. Just subscribe to this thing on Apple, on on Bandcamp, <laughs> on other unnamed uh, podcast uh, areas that anywhere you enjoy podcasts, enjoy our fucking podcast, okay? Just, just do it. Halloween, it falls on Saturday night. Down for so much ghoulish fright. A Frankenstein is gonna eat up all your treats. And you're gonna be hungry cause you ain't got nothing to eat. Let me hear y'all say, Fuck your feet, fuck your Frankenstein. Grab your toy, shuffle, sip on some of cherry wine. Fuck your feet, fuck your Frankenstein. I get your cool, cool cat when he wears a hat.
1931, Universal released Frankenstein and Dracula and ushered in the horror movie genre as we know it today. Despite Frankenstein's smash success, the studio waited four years to produce a sequel, but it was well worth the wait. The sequel reunites the monster star Boris Karloff with director James Whale, who found a way to increase the original film's gay subtext while sneaking in several blasphemies past the production code. Picking up right where the last one left off, we find that the monster didn't die in the flaming windmill after all. So he's back, and he is... Horny. Colin Clive also <laughs> returns as the emo Dr. Frankenstein. Leave me alone. And he is coerced into building the monster's mate from spare body parts by his queenie mentor, Dr. Pretorius, played by Ernest Thesiger, who steals every scene he's in with a deliriously campy performance. And last and so not least, Elsa Lanchester joins the monster movie Pantheon in a dual role as the title character and Frankenstein author Mary Shelley, the woman who created science fiction. Yes, a woman did that. Suck it, trolls. This movie was spoofed perfectly by Mel Brooks with Young Frankenstein in the 70s, but I think you'll find the satire was right there all along. This is The Bride of Frankenstein. Now, I usually go to the younger stoners first, but um, I was talking about this movie with Greg a little while ago, and he had an in, you have an interesting criticism of it, Greg. So I, I just I'm, I'm wondering if you still I feel do. the same way about it. Well, you just want more bride. You wanted more bride in oh, the well, movie. Yes. Yeah, but I wonder if watching it this time, if you've changed your mind or watching it this time. So uh, I, of course, love this movie. It's it's one of the it, the thing is it leaves you wanting so much more. You know, and I feel like, you know, there's a whole movie tradition of trilogies, and I I feel like this needed the part three, so freaking bad. Like Frankenstein needs to be a trilogy. Uh, this movie like gets us a little bit into, you know, the bride character. She's only on screen for like two minutes, and yet. Those two minutes are iconic. She is absolutely iconic. She really needs... She has a movie named after her, but she really needs a movie that is about her. Elsa Lanchester is such a great actress. She did a lot of stuff after this. A lot of comedy roles where she kind of is kind of like the, the British Imogene Coca a little bit, you know, where she's kind of like funny and 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 crazy and 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 kind of cartoonish i just think that i really needed a part i i love how this movie negates frankenstein in a way as fiction you know like like we're watching the reality of frankenstein in the first film and then in the in the first couple minutes we have lord byron and mary wollstonecraft shelley uh talking about uh all this stuff as if it's just made up bullshit that's really fun because even though everyone very definitively dies in at the end of uh spoiler at the end of Bride of Frankenstein, you know that that there's another dinner party that's waiting to happen where she continues this saga of a of the Bride of Frankenstein, who incidentally, if she's the author of this, is her. 
you know, like she plays this amazing dual role as wait what? It's and... a question mark in the credits. The... <laughs> <laughs> right? Where was where that question? Unfortunately, remained unanswered. Sadly. Okay, let's t- let's talk about that opening scene with Mary Shelley and Lord Byron. Yeah. So interesting. I don't know if I love that it negates the reality of the story. You know what I mean? Um, it's it's so. Like, okay, so I like what you said about how it needs to be three parts. So I, and it me- left me wanting more. So I actually watched the first one and I watched Son of Frankenstein. I watched them all three mm. in a row on this because I just, I don't know. I just got sucked into the world. And um, it kind of upset me that it, it was like, oh, this is all just a story at the, the gay dinner party. You know, I'm like, no, I want it to be real. <laughs> <laughs> You know, um, yeah, they did make the sequel Son of Frankenstein, but the tragedy, the tragedy of it is, is that James Whale didn't direct it. And it really like you just read, you know, I've been going into the history of James Whale and he made this World War One movie. He was a gay he was a gay man. Right, Bob. He was very, very gay, and that's probably why the bride is given the short shrift, is because James Whale isn't really interested in in the, the ladies. Uh, I mean, Frankenstein, right. the first movie, he oh Henry, you got to go see your fiance. You leave me alone. You know, you got to go do this. You got to get married. And he just wants to spend all his time in his lab building a man. So I'm going to be that guy. The bride of Frankenstein isn't the monster. It's Henry's wife that he's or fiance that he's going to marry. The titular bride of Frankenstein, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because she is really the bride. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That Read it that out. Somebody That's has it. to say it. <laughs> Someone had to be that guy. Yeah. No. Let's go. Let's uh, get Felina in here. Felina, your thoughts on Bride of Frankenstein? Oh my God! I had so much fun watching Bride of Frankenstein. I loved. I. You know what? I really liked the opening. I I liked I re- I liked that it was fiction. Um, I think that Mary should leave her husband. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought it was awesome. I had so much fun, and I really felt for Frankenstein. He just wanted a friend, and I yeah. and when he said friend, I felt that. I I heard him. I wanted to hold his little hand and be like, "It's okay, buddy," because you know, friend. I, <laughs> ah, fire, smoke, good. <laughs> when he was, that was so good. When he was smoking, when he gets high. Oh, oh my yeah. There God. is there is a scene in this movie where Frankenstein gets high on smoking out. This the blind man smokes out Frankenstein. It's the greatest. Yeah, um, it's so good. I have a question for the panel. How do we feel about Frankenstein talking? I like it. You do? Okay. I don't I, I don't that, like it. <laughs> I think that uh-huh. he I think that it's okay. I think that it's good that he's lear- that he learns to talk at le- just a little. I don't think is, he I don't think is the conceit full yeah. the, the the blind man taught him like taught him how to talk? Is that what that we're supposed to believe? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, then that makes, that I mean, makes sense. That makes sense then. Yeah. From my my understanding was the blind man taught him to talk and then the other scientist uh the Victorious. doctor Pretorius pre- tried to like <laughs> he like he slapped his name on it and he was like I yes. did this right it's it's not as bad it's not as bad as like when Bob the <laughs> zombie talks in Don in, in Dawn of the Dead which feels like a betrayal oh yes, you mean right? Day of the Dead Bob 
Dave, Dave, yeah, Bub. Yeah, Sorry. yeah. It's okay. Sorry, it's it's okay. I'm I'm, I'm mansplaining. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, that's know, that's a no. good, that's a good way to put it. I, I felt a little like a betrayal when Frankenstein. T- I want my Frankenstein grunting, and uh, that's it. You know <laughs> <what I mean? laughs> but it does make sense, and it yeah. does really make him more sympathetic. That he's like he really turns into a man in this movie, and I guess that's more faithful to the book, right? Yes. Yeah. He, he's he like took, very he had, like, in the book, you know. Yeah. And that somehow that's never really translated to film. For, you know, maybe because of the power of the first two James Whale movies, but it's just... Well, that, there's that there's the Brana Frankenstein with De Niro. De Niro, yeah, the De Niro the, one, right, yeah. The soliloquies where he's like, whose hands are these? <laughs> you know? <and laughs> You're talking to me, whose hands Hey, are yo, 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 Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs> all right yeah. let's talk a little bit about uh let's talk about ernest thesiger as uh dr pretorius and his his oh. performance i mean I, I find him i find him so funny like it's he's hilarious in this movie and yeah. it kind of i mean the, the first movie is so dark and scary and right. it, it, he i feel like this one has a lot more humor and it mostly attributed to Pretorius and his little uh, tiny people that he brings. Oh, <laughs> like that shit, oh, that shit God, is silly and them. funny. But I could imagine 1932 being in the theater and being totally freaked out by those little people. What do you think of the little people? Oh, oh my God. I love well, the little people. I thought those guys were awesome. And I really, I want, I want one. So I don't know how many of you guys have seen the film. It's recent film. It just came out still in theaters called Barbarian. Um, But I feel that I and that's a movie. If you want to go see it, you should know you should go in knowing as little as possible. But I feel like The Bride of Frankenstein, if it's a first in anything, it is the first bonkers horror film. You know, it is the first movie where you're just like, what the fuck is happening? Which is continue, which continues to this day with Barbarian, but it also hits on some of the Hen and Lauder movies that we talked about earlier. Um, there's a movie that came out recently. Uh, you know, your mileage may vary on its quality called Malignant, which has an insane third act twist. Uh, you know that you do not see coming. Um, I, it's like it's like kind of bordering on horror comedy, you know, in in a way uh, that is a little more sophisticated than you know putting Abbott and Costello next to the Wolfman or whatever or the Three Stooges it's 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 like a horror comedy that is completely batshit in its own reality without bringing in comedians to kind of you know like Bob Hope or something to kind of act scared you know in the face of 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 monsters well there there is that there is that um gypsy woman that just shrieks throughout the Bride of Frankenstein uh, oh, Uno O'Connor, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, she she is she's kind of like um the scared person who's just yelling the whole time. Yeah, right? that's true. <laughs> she's also does the same Who? thing in Invisible Man. You know, she's really? she's she uh, James Whale's go you watch Invisible Man, also James Whale, also gay subtext because the he, uh-huh. he turns invisible and then he gets to be as gay as he wants to be, and he's like just <laughs> Claude Rains is just chewing the scenery even though he's not there. Um, um, you know, uh, but the, um, she, she, yeah, so she shows up like in the very beginning, like that monster ain't dead, motherfuckers, and no one's listening to her. And I just well, think, you you? think she's just a, ta- yeah. a townswoman, right? But she ends up being like a 
the the Franken like Henry Frankenstein's Featured. like the, the maid or something, right? Like she's in the she's, yeah. she's living in the house. Um, she's and that's Cloris Leachman, like is a parody of Cloris Luchin, Leachman, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. In, yes, in in Young Frankenstein, that's she, that's a clear. She is so fantastic, and um, yeah, the cop, which the they call the Burgermeister, Burgermaster, right? Great word, <laughs> great word. Mm. He's such a dick. Like cops are always been dicks. He's the worst <laughs> cop. He's like, oh, hey, yeah. hey, stop rioting. She's like, we're not fucking rioting. What are you talking about? We're just chilling. Like, get out of here, motherfucker. Like, yeah, that guy's a dick. All <laughs> cops, all cops are bastards. All Burgermeisters are bastards. Yeah, <laughs> E. Clive is the Burgermeister. But yeah, James Whale pulls a Sam Raimi way before Sam Raimi in that he mm-hmm. he uh, does a serious first film, a very, very dark, serious first horror film, and then he parodies it. He satirizes his own film in the next yeah. one. Yes. It's Amazing. like Evil Dead yeah. 1 and Evil Dead 2. And uh, mm-hmm. there's, there's an interesting thing like, uh, you know, watching a documentary on it that's on the Blu-ray that I have. Uh, originally in the script, like he wanted whale and, and the scriptwriters wanted to do even more blasphemous shit. Like in the original, that scene where the monster is staggering through the graveyard, he, in the, in the script, he finds like, a um, a Christ on the crucifix and he thinks that Christ is being, that Christ is a person like him, like a monster like him. And he tries to pull oh. Jesus off the cross. Oh, oh that's so what? cool. That's, that's oh my done God. That. Yeah. And, and then he's all like, you know, uh, he tried to help Jesus. And of course that wouldn't fly. That might not have even flied in the sixties. You know, yeah. I could see studios really being freaked out about it now. Like, but so what you, what do you get in that scene is uh, the monster is staggering through the graveyard and then he sees there's this statue of like a bishop or the pope, like this religious figure. And the monster just grabs it and throws it. He's like, <laughs> he just makes it tumble down the hill. And that's like James Whale uh, saying, fuck you, uh, Hayes Code. Fuck you, censors. Fuck you, Catholic Legion yeah. of Decency. You know, it's like a big fuck you to the people that wouldn't let him do the Christ on the cross scene. Yeah, amazing. So um, this movie also, it starts right when the first one ends. Which is, uh, you know, it's, it's, which is great because it's like you could just, I mean, I feel like Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein should be watched consecutively like in a row. It, it works so well. And um, also the, mm-hmm. the death turn, like actually no one's really dead. That must have been the first time. Any, oh, and the flashback to the first movie. There's like a montage. It has to be the first for all that, right? But I just Previously like, on Frankenstein. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> I have to say that like it, it hit me when I was watching, like, like, oh shit, John Carpenter stole all this shit for Halloween too. Like Halloween two starts yeah. exactly like Bride of Frankenstein, actually. Yeah. You know, like actually it's right after the first one and no one's dead, actually. You know what I mean? Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> Right. You know, another right. guy another guy who turns up who dies in the first movie is Dwight Fry. He uh, he's Fritz, the hunchbacked assistant who torments mm. the monster, you know, by sticking yeah. the fire in his face and just tortures oh, yeah. him. And then he's back as another creepy lab assistant in this movie. He's Alice not the Cooper, same right? guy, but it's him again in the same. Alice role, Cooper really. has a great song Amazing. called "The Ballad of Dwight Fry." By the way, that's his that best guy. song too. Yeah, yeah. this is best song. Yeah, but <laughs> but gosh, what this? Yeah, this movie is just such a banger. Like you can't fuck with this movie. This is an yeah. unfuckwithable movie. It was. It's so fun. It's also the right length. Um, the set. Yeah. The set. Like you see the first Frankenstein set, 
and it's so incredible. But then this one, like, they kind of like make it better. The set is just incredible. It's it's amazing. The set is amazing. like coming home. It's like coming home. You know yeah. what I mean? When you see him crawling up the steps uh, to uh, to the roof where they do, we get that whole entire scene again. You know, of like getting everything together. The, getting the lightning, you know, uh, mm-hmm. together is great. I feel like it's it's really icon. This movie is really I- iconic. I would maybe argue that The Bride of Frankenstein is one of the essential American films. It, it is. It, it, it's it's one of the essential films. Like it is, it casts a long shadow. I identified with the monster so much because I was a fat kid who got beat up by other kids for being fat. Like, oh, look at that weird-looking guy. Like, now I watch it and I see all, all the uh, all the gay subtext, the queer subtext to it, and I'm like, <laughs> man, you know, yeah. but I'm just into the monster because the monster, you know, friend, good, you know, like like Felina said. It's just, <laughs> I, I've just that even up into my teen years and stuff, you know, where, you know, yeah. girls don't like me, so the monster throwing the switch, you know, she well, hates there, me. There, you know, yeah, that, there that's is some, a, yeah. <laughs> there's some serious incel energy. Okay, so yeah, because yeah. Brighter Frankenstein doesn't like Frankenstein because he's ugly. And he's like, well, fuck you then. I'm just going to kill everyone. Really early incel, like proto incel energy right there. It's very very <laughs> incel y. Yeah, this movie is such an all day banger. Um, all uh, Just one of the best ever made. Uh, the, the best angry mob ever filmed in a movie. Uh, we love angry mobs here at Old Movies for Young Stoners. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are an angry mob. <laughs> that, exactly. It is like January 6th all over again. Well, well, getting a flashback. <laughs> well, you know, Obama, you know, you you know, would yeah. you told like told the, uh, you know, business executives during the that recession, you know, we're, I'm you know, we're the only thing keeping you from the mob with the torches and pitchforks and the That's these right. first two Frank the Frankenstein movies are the movies where the mob with the torches and pitchforks come from. That that image in right. our mind of that whether we know it's from those movies mm-hmm. or not. That's that's where it is. That's what puts that idea of this black and white chiaroscuro mob <laughs> running after yeah. somebody, running after Dr. Frankenstein Scary. and the monster. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just this thing. Something that struck me about this movie that I never really thought about before, or just, you know, these movies are so iconic. They're just in our blood. They're in our culture so much, these universal horror. After watching Vampire, which we'll talk about in a second, I never realized, like, they're like real movie-ass movies. This movie is like a big production on these beautiful sets made by peop- tons of people making a movie, you know? That universal title card right in the beginning, like, wow, this, yeah. is a, this is a real, real movie. So I never thought of it in those terms. Like, these were made to be mainstream and huge, you know? And uh, Right. Yeah, and so... Gosh, really works. Manages to be so transgressive at Trans- the same time. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and 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 it yeah, they really sneak it in, man. Like like well, this c- is. Can a you real can you hold my film. hand a little bit through the queer stuff? Because I don't I I don't I don't I didn't see I didn't get it from it. Like, what are you talking about when you say that? I also didn't get it. Yeah, it's the kind of campiness, you know. Ah, for one, yeah. these men are obsessed with creating life. Right. Yes. And which is something that 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 women do freely when they have sex with men and gay men cannot do. So this is the way that gay men procreate is by taking dead bodies together and stitching them up and and slamming them with a lightning bolt. 
You know, like that is the the satire to me, right? Like that, and it's to the is, point where Hen- Henry Frankenstein, sad. Henry Frankenstein, is like ignore, <laughs> right. ignoring his fiance, actually. Like Val- yeah, Valerie yeah. Hobson, and she's gorgeous in this. I I used to have a little kid yeah. crush on her, but and what what do they do? What does Doctor Pretorius and Doctor Frankenstein do? They make a woman, and then they're planning a fucking wedding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's ignoring he, he Henry Henry in the end would rather plan somebody else's wedding than have his own wedding. Sounds a little fruity to me. Yeah, and, okay, and yeah. Dr. Pretorius is so flaming. I mean, it's is, just Yeah. Yeah, it's just Oh, I mean they introduced him as a queer character. Yeah, they yeah. say it. Yeah. They say they say this guy looks queer. Yeah, they said the quiet part out loud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Dude, exactly. God knows that might be. Who knows if did they use queer for homosexual back then? Is this? No, where, no. I, I think it think was so. just weird. But, yeah, yeah. Um, but this might strange. be where it comes from. All these fifties, exactly. all these gay dudes in the fifties watching Bride of Frankenstein. You know, like yes. <laughs> and Doctor Frankenstein kind of reluctantly brought along against his will, but he's obviously gay too. You know, like the the performances are so campy and so over the top. Like, like there's no way you know, like a John Ford type would ever come up with this shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this is very, um, very campy, very elevated. Look at the Lord Byron scene. Like, there's roll no by ours. <laughs> roll, roll. That guy, Lord Byron, is the most annoying guy I've ever could have at a party. Like, you're Mary Shelley. Like, I know. Like, leave me alone, okay? Like, yeah. <laughs> She's just trying to. You do wrote a the book Frankenstein. Point. Like, yes, I did. I know. You don't have to keep Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, those dainty <laughs> hands oh wrote such a horrific story oh yeah <laughs> bob what what do you what bob do you like this better than the first frankenstein you're the scholar on these movies on these oh you know movies. i mean i think it's a better movie but i really mm. almost it is i mean both movies together are still not two and a half hours you know i mean because they are like 75 minute movies and so right. I, I just kind of, it's really hard for me to make that. I just, you're right, Corey, to watch them both right in a row as one movie. They, they really are one movie, but um, mm-hmm. this is maybe the best sequel. Like it is the sequel that a lot of people think is better than the original. Um, and that's I very do. rare. I think it's you better. You think it's better? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I, I do. I, I, well, I go back and yeah. forth, um, but I really loved it watching this time. And I would say, if you're gonna like watch both of them, throw in the son of Frankenstein. You got Basil Rathbone, you got Bella Lugosi, and you got Frankenstein in that sick fur coat. It's pretty dope. Oh, I yeah. will say that uh, as much of a banger this of this movie, I agree with Greg. We want more bride. There's barely any bride, yeah. Yeah. and also I don't we need like, a part three. Yeah, I don't like Frankenstein talking, and Karloff Karloff uh, didn't like Frankenstein talking either. He, he did not. Yeah, he fought against yeah. it. So in the third one, the son, he goes back to grunting. Um, which I appreciate, but yeah, this is one of the best movies ever made, hands down. And okay, especially when yeah. you're stoned, yeah, it is. When Greg originally criticized Bride of Frankenstein, because I'm like, what? How could he criticize Bride of Frankenstein? It's just unthinkable yeah. to me. But I realized, like, in my stupid macho brain, never thought of this in 45 some odd years of watching these movies. 
that like, yeah, the monster is always brought back to life. The male monster, the Boris Karloff monster, he comes back to life for a bunch of other movies after Karloff stopped doing it. And he fights the Wolfman and meets Abbott and Costello. But they never bring back the bride. They bring back everybody else. They bring back the doctor. They bring back, you know, they never... Fucking Igor. Yeah. Yeah. They (laughs) never bring back the bride. The bride, uh, yeah, Igor's in three movies. Yeah, you talk about gay stuff in the third one. Bela Lugosi says, Frankenstein, he does things for me. I'm like, what does that mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so what, what weed? What weed goes with Bride of Frankenstein? What well, do you guys recommend? I, I shit you not. I went to the dispensary in preparation for this episode, and I said, I want a weed that will show me who are the real monsters. Us, the people, or, <laughs> you know, the creatures we create. Um, but no, I shit you not. There was a pre-roll called Frankenstein <laughs> there, and I had to what? get it. What? Yeah, it was a pre-roll made made by <laughs> Nepathy Extracts. And this is, you can find these at most dispensaries, actually. It was a $12 pre-roll. It was a hybrid pre-roll um, made in Santa Cruz County. And uh, it's it was it's 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 a indica heavy hybrid that gets you uh, bubbling, and it was perfect for this movie. So I recommend Frankenstein weed. That's such a good recommendation. <laughs> That's so good. I just had a peanut butter cookie, which was a hybrid. Um, it was great. You know, I I smoked out of my bong. It was uh, I I I smoked out of my bong, and then I came in here and I just put a slapped on the movie it was so so chill very fun uh keeps your mind active still which is great um and i think yeah a hybrid is like a great way to go for uh for bride last time i didn't have any weed recommendations and we were down a man because Corey isn't there and it was kind of awkward so this one i have a weed recommendation Uh, i took luchador cannabis infused gummies it's a strawberry gummy Mm. it's uh 10 10 milligrams a a gummy and i'm not like felita i can't ingest 30 milligrams of gummies or 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 you know edible marijuana in one sitting without dying but uh, um you uh, know i will say like the first part of the movie like there's this little joke where you know the uh, maid introduces dr pretorius she's like it's dr pretorius and then uh frankenstein's fiance says who who is who's that and then the maid reintroduces him when he walks into the room and she goes Dr. Pretorius, like, no shit. It's not, I just said who he is. <laughs> and, like, the, the weed, the, the, the luchador gummy hit just right, so that was the funniest fucking thing to me. I, I didn't just glance over that. Take I a hit anytime they say the word Pretorius in this movie. You'll get really yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. I'd like to save my weed recommendation for Vampire. Okay. 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 Say it the way Dr. Pretorius uh, would say it. It's one of my only vices. I would like to save. I would like to save my weed recommendation for the second cinema film. <laughs> All right. Ew. <laughs> Once again, it's the moment you've been waiting for. It's the TikTok report with Felina Franklin. Woo! Okay, I found a lot of stuff on Bride of Frankenstein TikTok. Very obviously, I mean, it's a classic. Everybody everybody knows The Bride of Frankenstein exists, but there's a lot of clips of the movie, which I was surprised about 
but pleasantly surprised because that's what we love to that's what I always look for is people who are looking at clips of the movie so I found this one and it's obviously just the end where uh the bride does her shriek and um Frankenstein's like she doesn't like me (laughs) (laughs) Lots of comments that say, I love this film. I'm surprised the actress appeared in for like three minutes. Um, And a lot of people are agreeing. I know. I wish we got to see more Bride. Um, I was kind of bummed because I thought the Bride was was going to appear more in this film. I still love it. 10 out of 10. It's better than Bride of Chucky. Wow. (laughs) High high praise. Strong. Yeah. Um, Lots of cosplays. Lots of people that are like... Uh, if you ever need to uh, redo your hair, just stick your finger in an electric socket. Wow, that joke so still stupid. that joke still plays all the way to the TikTok era. Still, yeah, yes. <laughs> well, that's still a joke. The that, that's that's the joke from the movie is that she got electrocuted, and that's why her hair looks like that. Like, yeah, like I I don't like it when people tell you the same joke that the movie made as if they thought of it. Oh, I know, it's so <laughs> annoying. It's so bad. Lots of people yeah. saying movies. This movie is timeless. It's a legend. TikTok thinks this is a masterpiece, and rightfully so because it's so good. And it's great to know that the younger generations are at least appreciative. Yeah, and at least somewhat aware. One more thing. One more point. So she's only in the movie for like two minutes, right? So yeah. the ratio of screen time to tattoos on people, she has the most of. By the way, I just want to say probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. She's she's got a she's a tattoo icon, and yeah, dudes have Especially tattoos of her. Ladies, yeah. oh man, oh, yeah, yeah. We did not mention Jack Pierce, the makeup artist for this film, who created all the great Universal movie monsters through the Wolfman in the 1940s. But yeah, I mean, his artistry here, it's its survived generations. It's going to survive. It's going to hit the 100-year mark pretty soon um, in the next decade. Mm-hmm. And the people are still getting those tattoos. But one last TikTok comment um, from Bobby Peru, 0411, says... Don't let it get to you, Frankie. I've been there, done that. It's it's her, not you. <laughs> Bobby no, Peru is Willem Dafoe in Wild at Heart, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is uh, yeah. let's talk about incel energy there, but you know, Bride, <laughs> yeah, Bride right. doesn't even know who she is yet, and they're already trying to marry her off to the monster, and she might be non-binary. She might be gay. You know, she might. Yeah, she exactly. kind of goes yeah. for you the doctor. She, it was pretty clumsy the way they introduce them. You know, like yeah. like I would have probably kept Frankenstein away for a few months. Yeah, you know, get get her get her like excited to meet him instead of just going like. Here is a green-skinned dude for you to marry. It just hit me. It just hit me that you know they uh, they they allude to it with the with the homunculi, the little tiny people with the king who's like really yeah. into the queen, and she's like, "Get the fuck away from me!" She's like, "Uh, uh, uh, uh. right." Oh God, yeah, that is uh-huh. foreshadowing, yeah, and really, I just never, I never really saw that. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bride of Frankenstein is streaming now on Criterion Channel as part of their Universal Horror Collection. It's also streaming on Peacock, and you can watch it for free with annoying ads on Tubi. And if you still... <laughs> 
And if you still have your parents' Comcast Infinity login or Spectrum or whatever the fuck cable company they have, TCM is showing Bride of Frankenstein on Halloween night, October 31st at 8 p.m. Eastern and 5 Pacific. It looks like they're also showing James Whale's Frankenstein and The Invisible Man that night, so set your digital DVRs. And TCM has just got great, great movies all month long. Corey was going to tape Alligator 1 and 2 this month. And, Good idea. Uh, Alligator, Good great idea. movie. All the people that you want to be eaten are eaten in it, so I highly recommend that. Never so, seen it. I'm excited. Yeah. Under the Shroud of Darkness, the fiendish apparition risen from its coffin begins to stalk its human prey. The nightmare becomes reality. The unknown clutches at our throats. The myth of the human being who takes the form of a bat and drinks blood will survive because people choose to believe. Vampires, like werewolves and monsters, serve a purpose. They are representations of our hidden fears. By conquering these nightmare creatures, we purge ourselves of our darkest thoughts and in so doing, reclaim the human spirit. In 1932, legend has it that Danish director Carl Theodor Dreyer saw Universal's Dracula with Bela Lugosi and said, I can do one of these. But the movie he made flew in the face of already established genre conventions. By combining gothic horror with avant-garde experimentation, Dreyer creates an unnerving world completely unmoored from any sense of reality, where shadows move independently of their objects and our hero is forced to watch the earth shoveled on top of him as he is buried alive. In what exists of a plot, young Alan Gray, who has immersed himself in the study of devil worship and vampires, as we are told by the film's opening titles, finds an undead bloodsucker draining the life from young women when he visits a riverside town. But story comes in a distant second to sensation here, and the sensation that Dreyer's film fills us with is dread akin to fever dreams and sleep paralysis. Also featuring creepy mummified baby corpses, reverse motion grave digging, and a vampire's <laughs> familiar that looks like Albert Einstein, this is Vampire. Okay, Corey, was this film too European for you? Yeah, it's so German. It is the most German movie I've ever seen. But I never knew. I never heard of this movie. I guess I've seen the box just like in the horror section, but it looks so old and dusty. I never really paid attention. So I was excited to jump into this, um, not knowing anything about it at all. And I turned it on and uh, I was super high and um, I wasn't expecting the fever dream pace that this movie has. Uh, it starts with this guy in a three-piece suit walking around, and he has a net for some reason, so I guess people just had nets in three-piece suits back in the day. Like, I noticed right away the cinematography. It's different from the time, you know what I mean? It's, it's definitely struck out. Um, but I did also notice how German it was. In fact, they say something, there's uh, a lot of title cards in this movie, because sound, sound was happening, right? This was, sound was around back then, but yep. there's very minimal sound in this, this movie. This is a sound. Yeah, it it's, has, it's a, it's a, there is, yeah, it has the, um, 
sink sound in it for sure. But it, it, um, we are torturing Felina with another uh, silent movie here, pretty much. Because <laughs> well, uh, there, the story behind that, just to get it out of the way really quickly, is it was produced for release in in Germany, France, and and the United States and England in English speaking countries. But um, Dreyer just didn't want to really deal with that very much. So everybody, when they speak, they speak very slowly, and he wanted as little dialogue as possible, just because he didn't want to deal with the dubbing. So. So, so Understood. Just, well, it, it seems like the, the the sound that is selected for this movie, as far as dialogue, is very deliberate, and it works in a way where it's like it's so spaced out. It's like when you're like stuck in a dream. It's what it feels like, and it it works. It works. Yeah. Uh, they say the quiet part out loud at one point in one of the title cards, where they're like, "Light and shadow take on a metaphorical meaning." I'm like, "Yeah, that's German expressionism. You're not supposed to say that. We know, you know what I mean." <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. you know, we're we're on the journey of this guy. Uh, he's he's joined. He goes to this town. He stays at an inn. This creepy old man comes into his bedroom, leaves this package, says like. Uh, first of all, so scary to have just like a man in your room all of a sudden. That scared the hell out of me. Um, and it's very Kafka-esque. There's this like whole feeling of isolation and otherworldliness. Uh, everyone in this movie is so sad looking. There's not one smile in this movie. It's just like bleak, 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 sad people <laughs> left and right. Um, the story for me was hard to follow. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't. I'm not lying. But there's some great visuals in it. The dance. There's this scene with dancing shadows that's just so cool looking. Um, and then uh, the movie starts to really cook finally at the third act, which uh, I'll just say the spoiler. They kill the vampire, the main vampire, and then like shit just like goes down. There's this amazing scene in like this flour mill that happens. Um, but I, I, as I read about this movie, I, I guess it had really bad reviews when it came out. People didn't like it. And I understand. This came out the year Bride of Frankenstein came out. Freaks came out. You know, um, The Mummy came out. Uh, I could be wrong about the mummy, but like it was, it was a banger year for movies. So I could, I could understand. You're only right about the mummy, actually, but okay, it's okay. okay cool. It's since so the thirties. I could understand. <laughs> I could understand going in, going into the movie theater, seeing some Betty Boop cartoons, seeing a newsreel, and then seeing this shit and being like, "What the fuck? What am I watching here?" And then leaving like super bummed. Uh, yeah. Right? I guess in retrospect, it's gotten like. Um, uh, accolades you know through film people but like this movie is a lot of a dude just peeking around corners okay let's be honest it's like just a guy going like huh what's this what's this um so zooming out i see how this movie is important i see how it's avant-garde i see how it's creepy but it was kind of a slog for me to get through I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> and I was high off my ass and I'm just like, what's happening? The, there's some really spectacular, beautiful, beautiful visuals in this movie, but they're interspersed with like a lot of a dude just peeking around corners. Um, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to cut in here just for a second. You know, he is looking through windows a lot and seeing freaky stuff happen, but I don't know about you, but a lot of my nightmares are like that, where you're like yeah. in the room observing something or you're observing something somehow obscured, but you're also a part of it. It's not like you're watching it on TV. You are there, but you're also unable to affect outcomes at all. Like you're trapped just watching shit. And this yeah, movie yeah. captures uh, that feeling in a way. Especially that the scene where he goes out of his body and then he sees himself dead. Right. That's like horrific. 
but still it took so long so this is just my first impression yeah. like if i watch this movie again much like listomania maybe i'll enjoy it more but i'm saying i i could zoom out and see how this is brilliant and important but it was hard for me to sit through mostly because it's so european <laughs> felina <laughs> felina like i said we were torturing you with Basically, this is a silent movie. This is they're, it's, they're, they're, it's pretty silent. Uh, the part where There's, the woman wakes up and says, "The blood, the blood is pretty yeah. creepy," but that's <laughs> blood. I, blood. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that um. Okay. I have um. So I have a uh some text that I uh spoke into my phone while I was watching the movie. Um, so here's what it is. I have opinions about this movie vampire because this movie (laughs) is a full on book and I just had like 50 milligrams of hot chocolate weed and I cannot read. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Harlan Ellison, I have no mouth, but I must scream (laughs) to that point. Just really quick to that point. Criterion. Um, actually, they they uh, addressed this issue and they put out a really easy to read version of it. Actually, where they oh, fixed the, you know, the, the that's text. Nice. No, the um, one on HBO Max is the one with the English text titles instead of titles over yeah. over German. Uh huh. I, I, I had to have Sage read to me <laughs> everything that was being on the screen, and that was torture. For uh, me and for them, because they were on their phone playing a phone game, and I would have to pause it and be like, "Read this," and <laughs> it was just, oh my god! And also, they were on TikTok for like for like a couple of seconds, so it's like I'm watching this movie, and he's like peeking around corners, and shadows are moving, and then all of a sudden, I hear like, "La la 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 la." And like some just like music, like uh-huh. maybe you oh weren't seeing it in the greatest setting. <laughs> I don't think I. I don't think I w- had the greatest setting. I think I had the wrong weed. I think I got way too high for this movie because I yeah. was I was ready to be scared off my ass because Bob hyped it so much, and uh-huh. uh, I was just like sitting there and like I wasn't scared. This movie didn't scare 50 me. Fifty milligrams. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, no, that's had- what it takes to not be scared of vampire. It's like if you don't want to be scared, <laughs> the worst thing that you can do is to fall asleep watching TCM and wake up and this movie's on. And that I did that mm-hmm. once. It must have been around Halloween, and Ooh. I. I just like wake up and I'm like, what the hell? You know, the dirt's being piled on him or whatever. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Am I still, uh-huh. you know, you're questioned <laughs> if you're still a, a, asleep or not. Like, it's just such a fucking, it, 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 to me, it just has the texture of a nightmare in the way I know other movies try to get this, but this movie, because it doesn't, uh-huh. it doesn't care about entertaining us or about pacing or anything. And it's just all disjointed and unnerving and weird. Uh, Greg, what? what wait, wait, what, what I want to hear the rest of Felina's uh, text. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I said, uh, there's too much reading for a movie for stoners, and I simply cannot, and that's on period. And then I said, upon realizing we had a couple of minutes left, we both in unison said, thank God. <laughs> so this is a scathing review from Wow, this from might my be your worst self. review yet. This might be my worst review yet. So I listen. I 
yeah, I could see how this movie's important, like, you know, cinema-wise. However, viewing experience-wise, not, not good. Well, I loved it. And... <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> I think, a, a, you know, the perfect setting to watch a movie like this would be in a movie theater, you know, where you are not allowed to be on your phone. Or um, smoke weed. I think that would... Or, well, you gotta hotbox it, you know. Or, or you just or, take or, that gummy an hour before and just be... Exactly, yeah. exactly. That would be the perfect setting. I wasn't in the perfect setting. Um, I, uh, I, I, I do, I, and I have not seen this movie. The only thing I'd ever seen of Dryers, which, you know, is kind of sad, but like back in film school, they used to show a lot of clips of his Joan of Arc film. Like I, ha- I have never seen that entire film. I've never seen it in context, but it's really just this amazing performance of Joan of Arc with her shaved head, just crying with no makeup in front of a, 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 a void. This is like the the genesis of a lot of films that I really do love. Like I love the films of David Lynch and I feel like this is kind of a precursor to a lot of to something like Eraserhead, you know, like there's a lot of uh you can you can see the the germ of that. Blue you Velvet know? too. I feel um, a lot of Blue Velvet in like the beginning when he, Kyle's like Yeah, yeah totally. Totally. Dude, the guy looks like Kyle McLaughlin in in you know the Alan Gray, you know, like like the, this is a character that doesn't really have a lot of character. He's just this guy experiencing everything in a in a way that is a blank slate for us to feel like what he's feeling in in the emotion, not be distracted by like who he is. Even you know, like we don't really know who he is. I feel like the movie is a sort of a flawed masterpiece for all of the beauty. I do kind of agree that there's a little bit too much reading in this. That could have been this. All this stuff could have been done in like one or two lines, you know, of dialogue. Like we could have learned everything. I I would like to see a how this works without any of those title cards, you know, that explain what is happening here, what is the mystery, blah blah blah. And it doesn't feel like artful writing. You know, it feels like very expository and it kind of takes away from like the what the fuck of this movie, because this is kind of a of an artsy what the fuck horror masterpiece, but a flawed masterpiece, in my opinion. There are effects in this movie where it's like, I have no idea how they got such a crisp shadow on the wall of this one legged uh, veteran of the world wars. Like, how how did they do that? I have no friggin idea. Some of the images in this movie are just absolutely iconic. This is a, 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 a great horror movie, but definitely not for everybody. I would like to see this in a theater with, a people, with yeah. people and see how it plays that way. Because sitting by myself in my house, it was hard. You know, um, Sorry, Bob, mm-hmm. go ahead. I wonder if this movie isn't like a style sheet for David Lynch and future mm-hmm. future horror film or just weird movie directors because there are so it's like got so many amazing visual ideas and I'm like really surprised by uh, Dreyer's tracking shots just the tracking shots of Alan Gray going through yes. the chateau and stuff that that that's the Incredible. stuff that that's the stuff that hits me is the cinematography 
And as I read about this movie, which I usually don't, but I, I was like, what the fuck is this movie? You know, people talk about Cassavetes, the first DIY independent. And like, no way. This this is the first independent guys just making a movie movie. They, they're using they're It's just the producer is the star of it because he put up the money. Yeah, they're they're filming in real <laughs> real locations. I didn't know that. Yeah. Alan Gray is the yeah. guy who, who fit the bill for this movie. Perfect. And, and they're filming in actual locations. And A and being this mm-hmm. movie to Bride of Frankenstein with these immaculately built uh, sets. And like like I said, Fra- yeah. Bride of Frankenstein oh, yeah. is such a Hollywood production, a movie movie. This one is just a couple people going out there and doing it. It was, For that reason, it's like pretty um, important and iconic. And, and you feel it. You feel like this is someone making a passion project. It doesn't feel like a Hollywood production, and that's pretty cool. They're also doing the silent movie thing where they have to shoot during the day and it's supposed when it's supposed to be at night, which is something that is really funny when you're watching like a a, a silent film like for you know from the 20s and they're saying like the villain struck out at midnight to do his plan and they show it. And it's like two o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's all in daylight. The camera's right? yeah. just—it's all they daylight. Even, they even, so. Yeah, they even kill the. Oh, I guess you have to kill a vampire in daylight. Sorry, I didn't think about that. Part. <laughs> this movie well, does the rat finka boo boo thing too, where halfway through it, or <laughs> halfway through it, like Alan Gray isn't the protagonist anymore. Like the 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 hero ends yeah. up being the servant guy, right? That's pretty cool too. <laughs> yeah, he he comes in and makes a save. It's um, like, yeah, it's this old man who, like, you don't yeah. even like think about. Like, he's the guy. It's like, oh, I'm gonna save this town. God damn it! <laughs> Jeez, I love that shot where his face like comes in the window. It's just projected onto the window. Corey, were you awake for that? Yeah, part? I was awake like, for the whole. I was awake for the whole movie. I watched this whole thing. Um, that's what I'll say. You know, if there's like a super, if there's a TikTok of this movie where it's just like all the banger uh, visuals, then this I would love it. But this is this. It needed a little editing. A little yeah, editing. This might like, be the kind that's of the flaw. This kind. This might be the kind of movie that you project behind your band when you play a, a bar. Or oh something God! Like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. Fuck yes. Yeah, Butthole Surfers, 1987, yes, exactly. 1985, <laughs> with the green naked dancing chicks and uh, Gibby Haynes lighting himself on fire, you know? But you know, that, it, it, it does, I, it does I, I hit that... I would rather see... It does hit that fever dream. Sorry, go ahead. I'm going to just read some scholarship on it. William K. Everson, who's probably long since dead now, in Classics of the Horror Film, a book I have, to see how people regarded this movie, at least in the 60s. If one is to judge the effectiveness of the horror film solely by the degree to which it convinces the audience and thereby frightens, then Vampire must surely be the greatest horror film of all. And then in the fucking Wikipedia about Carl Theodore Dreyer, he's like, Carl Theodore Dreyer was a Danish film director and screenwriter, widely considered one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. Like he it, is, yeah. I, I, I know he it is. is, but it that, is just I, that Joan of Arc is incredible. That movie is out of this world. But that one, that was a production with some money behind it. This one is. This was. This seems like more of a passion project. But it does nail that fever dream pace. Uh, maybe now hearing Felina and I, maybe we were too stoned for it. Maybe this movie already makes you feel stoned when you're sober. I, it doesn't. Yeah, need I to think be advanced, I. I you know? think I was way too high, and I also think like. I think it was just the reading that ruined it, ruined it for me. Like if it was like everything except for those stupid fucking title cards and those book pages, it was everything except for that. 
I think it would have rocked. Okay. But All right. Okay. Okay. So it would have rocked without title cards. So next time, maybe there needs, instead of like an easy to read version, they need just like someone reading yeah. it to you. Like, Alexa, read me Vampire. Cortana. Yeah, exactly. Read me these title cards. Uh-huh. <laughs> or, or, or they just need the guy who leaves the book. Like, that seems creepy. And I think the movie would lose something, but maybe he needs to stay. Maybe he needs to stay alive a little bit longer, and then get killed by the vampire or the creepy Albert Einstein guy, yeah. and just yeah. do the yeah. all the Albert Einstein, all the monster splaining that like that mm-hmm. like Van Helsing does in the Thirty Two Dracula. You know, he just needs to just say. Right. Like I said before, once they kill the the old lady, the the main vampire. The movie does the pace picks up. The third act is like it's it cooks, it, you know. It, yeah. it, it's from that part to I the love end. That it's grain. It's, it, yeah, death by grain is uh, <laughs> oh, it's all, so, always. Yeah. It was, it's so good. The uh, machinery, the way it looks, and the flower falling yeah. down. It's incredible. Like I, it, I that it really woke me up. The third act, mm-hmm. and um, it's it's worth it. Yeah. It goes back to your theme from Bride of Frankenstein, Corey, who is the monster. It's kind of an anticlimax when the old lady vampire dies. She gets the iron stake driven through her heart. And that's usually the end of a vampire movie. But in this movie, it's the vampire's familiar, the human enabler. That's the big Mm -hmm. death. It's not the monster. Yeah, it's interesting. Weird. Yeah. Yeah, interesting movie. It's weird. This movie movie does not follow the rules. It does not follow the rules at all. And it, it, it does its own thing. And I uh, respect all of that. Um, I, I, like I said, I think there's brilliant parts of this movie, but it is a flawed masterpiece to be sure. Yeah, I was tempted at times. Like I selected it because I'm like, we have to do Vampire because it's so fucking weird. And there, so there were weird. times I was tempted, like, ah, oh, maybe we should do just Dracula and do something more fun. But I kind of stuck with it because I wanted to show you my colleagues on this but i also wanted to show the audience that there is some range to 30s movies beyond the what mm-hmm. was going on at universal and yeah and, and mm-hmm. it, it, it was so great actually just like the contrast between this and bride of frankenstein so i really appreciate i really appreciate how this was a diy independent fil- film made outside of the studio uh structure it's pretty cool felina were there any tiktoks about this at all i actually was very surprised to see that there are a handful of uh vampire not more than a handful actually uh lots of vampire lovers uh in, the fearless vampire lovers <laughs> yeah lots of vampire lovers on tiktok so there's this one guy he goes what's the greatest vampire film ever ever he's like asking and um, this guy stitches the video, which is a TikTok term. We don't have to get into it. Um, but he stitches the video and says, the greatest vampire film, people probably have never heard of it, is Vampire. And the comments, most of them are positive. Yes, great film. Stoker's version also, God. I don't know what that means. <laughs> they're, they're talk- I think he meant also good he's, okay. he's talking he about probably, dracula yeah. you know got it bram yeah. stoker um, uh my favorite is interview with a vampire haven't seen it but i'll check it oh, out God. and then one guy Ugh. says uh it's actually so bad tbh that's one <laughs> one guy and i saw that oh, comment and i was like you know what that i relate i was like <laughs> so i was like someone finally finally is telling me what I want to hear. You, you, you <laughs> are validated. 
I was validated by that one. No, I knew this was a risky movie. um, But, you know, I have to say, folks, I've stopped trying to second guess Corey and Felina. I've like used to like there are times during the making of the show where I've worried like, ah, this movie's the rat fink a boo boo. They're both going to hate it. This movie's too weird. (laughs) Why are you doing this to these kids? Uh, What kind of monster are you? But then you like, you know, there's always, you know, even the musicals, it's like, Oh my God, they liked it. They loved on the town. They, Felina loved, loved uh, rat fink a boo boo. So I'm like, just, just stick with vampire. Maybe you know. Also, it's having- more entertaining when we don't like things. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, yeah, I know. Oh wow! But I get hurt. <laughs> you know, I, I, should, I should program movies that I don't like sometimes just to see if you guys know. No, this this movie's great. You know, like what are you saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I think the future of uh, old movies for young stoners is very bright, and I'm very excited to see what other crazy. Uh, insane movies that get thrown at me. It's one of my. It's one of the highlights of my week is I get to come home, get high, and watch some like weird ass thing that I never would have thought of. We haven't even talked about. We the haven't week. talked about the what, week. What What did you ingest for this, Felina? And and why was it wrong? And <laughs> where Where are you coming now? Okay. Um, well, honestly, I woke up this morning and I was like, I'm still high. I am still absolutely stoned. I was, I, I took a lot of this stuff. So we talked about it last week. It was the cannabis syrup in caramel. Um, and I was, I put like 50 milligrams of this in a hot chocolate and I could not taste it at all. And I downed it and I was like. Huh, maybe oh and I was like after a few minutes I was like oh well I don't I, not a few minutes like 30 minutes I was like I don't really feel anything um and then like two seconds later I was like oh god oh no I cannot move um and I could not think and I absolutely could not read um and I couldn't even I couldn't even write I literally had to t- speak all of that into my phone <laughs> while I was that watching packaging it. that packaging is great though it's awesome oh yeah, yeah. it's Look so great um yeah it looks whole- like it looks like yeah it looks like a old timey like potion or something yeah it's great Snake oil and it's got um <laughs> it's got like a thousand milligrams in it and it's like every like a teaspoon or something or like not even that but like every teaspoon or whatever is like 10 milligrams and so there's just like oh there's so many so many milligrams so in many this milligrams. it's so it's so <laughs> it's so easy to uh get yourself like a little too high with this yeah stuff. This, this movie this movie yeah. is like it's about a bad trip right and it like feels yeah. it feels like a bad trip this movie and it kind of nails that vibe and i think that's what they're going for but yeah you were on a bad trip you were on a bad trip during this movie yeah (laughs) i think that's what happened is that i was i was having a bad trip and i as i was watching it it was making it a worse trip yeah not not i think about it this might be like one of the best portrayals of a bad trip this movie like it really makes you feel like you're tripping badly i um smoked another pre-roll for this there's this company called loon l-e-u-n-e and you could get these at any uh dispensary and they have great pre-rolls they're and they're called like this one's for the daytime this one's for the nighttime this one's to go to bed oh wow and um Mm. this this one was called the caliber and it's like it's a curated blend of fresh full flower cannabis and uh 
with rolled with ice hash to throttle your experience. And they, they were the bud tender was like, this is going to get you super high. Smoke the whole thing to my head was too high out of my mind for this movie. So I'm going to recommend not getting stoned for vampire because it is it'll already make you feel like you're on a fever dream nightmare bad trip it's very effective in that way yeah i i yeah i think maybe absinthe you know maybe buy a bottle of absinthe and do it right do it with where you you put you know put it through the sugar cube with the distilled water and everything like or oh or, or just go for the fucking belladonna and almost kill yourself just like that's you're right Corey. that's what the movie feels like it feels like you're fucking tripping and dying from belladonna poisoning greg any oh any God. weed wrecks here well, as I said before, um, I wanted to combine my read recommendations um, because due to our um, as, as as our season, you know, sort of winds down, we're on a little bit of a compressed schedule. So I watched both of these movies back to back and I did it in the reverse order that we talked about them. And once I started Vampire, I got really stoned vaping a concentrate of Runtz, uh, which is a like, I guess, kind of an interesting strain that won strain of the year in 2020, I found out. It's um, one of my favorites, Runtz. I love Runtz. I thought it was great. And, and I thought it was, but also at the same time, I ate a uh, Smokey's Tropical uh, edible and watched both of the films back to back. And I felt like so hollow and empty inside in a very nourishing way. <laughs> like I felt like I really enjoyed Vampire and I didn't at all feel like I was in the mood for The Bride of Frankenstein once it ended. It was these two movies are very opposite, you know. And so it was almost like whiplash to to put on the Bride of Frankenstein with its this tonal shift of over the top camp coming from this sort of existential dread of vampire and having that that edible kick in and overlap. I was like a a babbling infant just laughing my ass off uh the entire time. So Vampire is streaming on HBO Max and Criterion Channel. Criterion includes a commentary track on the film and also a feature on it, but it's important to keep those numbers up for classic films on HBO Max because who knows what will happen over there. Will HBO Max be a source for old movies for young stoners when we come back for season two in 2023? Who knows? But we'll still have Prime, I hope, Canopy, Tubi, and maybe Hulu will start streaming that Fox catalog Disney doesn't know what to do with. So why? Watch wow. it on watch it on HBO Max. That is the version with the English title cards. If you watch the German version, there'll be German title cards with English subtitles over them, and it's very hard to read, even if you're not stoned on 50 milligrams of whatever Felina took. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so you will get the English version, but Criterion has some great features on the film, and the commentary track does help. And there's a little 12-minute feature on it, too, with a guy enthusing about Carl Theodore Dreyer. So, hey, guys, um, we talked, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but hey, it's been a season. So any any thoughts on yay? Yeah, uh, should have had a cake. Any thoughts <laughs> on old movies for young stoners as we wrap up our our inaugural season? This has been a fantastic journey through cinema with you all, the Franklins. I love you both, Bob. I've been hoping that we could have a podcast together someday. So it's a dream come true for me, and I'm looking 
forward to many more movies and many more joints. Yeah. Couldn't have said it any better. Hey, Felina, you want to close it out? Sure. This has been season one of Old Movies for Young Stoners. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and catch up on all the episodes that you missed. And if we don't see you before then, we'll be back in 2023 with a new season of Old Movies movies for Young young stoners. Stoners.